From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Welcome back to episode 21 of the Cannabis Podcast. I'm so glad you came back. If you're here for the first time, well, welcome. I hope you enjoy the experience. This week, I go on the road to interview the chief technical officer for a global player in the extraction market. And this company is right here, built in the heart of the Okanagan. James Seabrook from Vitalis Extraction Technology is our featured guest a little bit later. I've also brought in another cultivar for review on Cultivar Corner. This week, it's Seth Rogan's houseplant. And finally, we'll finish with some more amusements from behind the cannabis counter. Let's get started with episode 21 of the Cannabis Podcast. For this week's interview, we did something a little bit different. We went on the road. Fortunately, though, it wasn't a very long road. I went on the road here in Kelowna to a local company called Vitalis Extraction Technology. They are a Kelowna-based company producing CO2 extraction systems that are a dominant mix of versatility and engineering. Not only did I do an interview with their chief technical officer, but I also got a tour of the plant, and I was pretty impressed. So let me tell you about my guest. As chief technical officer and co-founder, James Seabrook leads the engineering and production component of Vitalis' cutting-edge manufacturing facility. He has significant experience in the oil and gas industry. He brings a wealth of expertise in high-powered engineering design. A graduate of the University of British Columbia, James holds a degree in applied sciences, mechanical engineering, and his professional engineering designation. A world traveler, teacher, and recurring guest lecturer at the UBCO School of Engineering. James has the skill to conceptualize and design new equipment and innovations, a key driving force behind Vitalis' ability to stay positioned at the forefront of the supercritical CO2 extraction industry. So let me review that. A degree in applied sciences, mechanical engineering, and his professional engineering designation. Do you ever have time to breathe? (laughs) From time to time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Cannabis Podcast, James Seabrook. Thanks, Gary. I'm so glad you took some time to give me a bit of your story, James. My pleasure. And today, uh, 30 degrees outside, I'm happy to be in an air-conditioned room. (laughs) You've got that right, too. We are centered in the Okanagan, and and it is a very hot day out there. Before we started recording here, James, you kind of gave me a sense of where you've been. So you started Vitalis back in 2016. That's correct. Yeah, our official incorporation was in, in February of 2016. And prior to that, the inception of the company uh, started about 12 months earlier. Okay. Uh, my two partners, Joel and Pete, were involved in an investment fund and looking at opportunities in the U.S., uh, mainly in the Portland area, to di- develop some capital in the cannabis space, which had been legalized. Um, and that led them to a numerous processing facilities. And in that phase, they learned... Um, that there is, you know, a need for not only flower products, but consumers were growing towards um, extracted products, which includes vape products or edibles or topicals or, you know, a or shatter diverse, or butter or any of those. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, when they tried to find equipment for these various businesses to invest in, there is a a gap where 
it wasn't available or it was too long of a lead time yeah. or it wasn't yeah. large enough capacity. Yeah. And um, Joel being a close friend of mine, he asked me to come down and, and look at a project with them. And when I walked into the facility, I kind of shook my head because standard compliance requirements that are very um, sound and, and dated in oil and gas and, and manufacturing hadn't been done on this process equipment, general safety requirements like electrical standards and pressure standards, right. um, operator, you know, safety was not considered. Mm-hmm. So we went back and it, it kind of stewed for uh, a couple months. And, and then I, in my current position or in, in the current position I had at the time at a local company here, I saw the opportunity to establish a manufacturing company and went back to the guys and, and said, Hey, you know, I think we can do this. Uh, we looked at the numbers and we looked at the market and you know, what our positioning would, would be, which was, uh, compliance and higher throughput and education and being stewards of good practice. That's, and that, and that's one of the things I was most impressed with as I started looking through the documentation given before the interview and taking a look at your site, the fact that you are really concentrating on the standards and the process safely so that we don't have any worries of, of danger and, and injury and such. That's exactly. Great. And you were also saying that when 2016, when you started, you kind of had an idea where the company was going, but now here we are three years later and it's changed even from that point, right? Yeah. Originally, you know, looking at the resources that were available in the Valley for labor and then, you know, what would be a good sized company. We envisioned shipping kind of one machine a month, you know, 15 to 30 employees maybe depending on uh, if we really grew and we were uh, rapid growth and that quickly changed to now we're shipping two machines a week wow and we're broaching 100 employees soon fantastic well that's fabulous for you yeah which is something we're all very proud of as owners uh, creating some economic development here in the valley as well you should be and doing stuff that we really enjoy and that's the double bonus doing stuff you really enjoy so let's take a step back just a little bit, James. For the sake of the listeners who might not understand extracts and understanding that my engineering knowledge is significantly less or minimal than, than what yours would be, can you give us a simple explanation of how the extraction process works, whether with your machine or, or just generally? Sure. So extraction in general is the use of a solvent to remove desired compounds from uh, biomass. If we look at uh, perfumes, you know, you can imagine that a rose petal is extracted and the essence of rose is put into a perfume. Right. The same can be done with cannabis. And in cannabis, you're typically targeting uh, terpenes, which yep. are the flavors and the aromatics of the, the flower, and then cannabinoids, which the two big ones people usually refer to are CBD and THC, right. the psychogenic compounds. Yeah, exactly. There's probably uh, 100 plus cannabinoids. I don't know all of them. I don't know the exact number, but they're there. They all have some sort of effect on the endocannabinoid system of the body. Absolutely. And that's what we're capturing. So in the extraction process, the solvent will strip those out of the biomass along with maybe some other compounds. We'll collect that and then we'll refine it into a a consumer product. Right. And I should clarify, we don't do that. We build the equipment exactly. to do that. I, and I did want to clarify that yeah. to make sure that we're, <laughs> we're not getting confused as to who's doing the extraction. So give me a sense of, of where some of your extracting machines are around the world now. 
We are a global company on uh, four continents. Wow. So we have equipment deployed in Colombia. That was uh, one of the very early projects that we did. Uh, we have equipment in the EU and outside of the EU in places like Serbia, uh, all throughout the US, Canada, obviously, um, a lot of deployments in Ontario, where some of the big players are, and um, Australia. And do you see this, the supercritical CO2, which your process uses, do you see that becoming a predominant standard or you hope it will be the standard as, as we move forward? Obviously, my opinion is a little biased. A little biased, um, perhaps. <laughs> you know, of all the extraction processes, the top three being probably ethanol, hydrocarbon, which would be butane and propane. Yeah. Uh, and then CO2. I believe CO2 is the best and most resilient type of extraction. Right. And you can reuse the CO2 in your process. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. We recycle 99 plus percent of the CO2 used oh, in the process. And, and when we tour the facility later, I'll, I'll walk you through how that's done. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting a peek at, at yeah. what you're doing there. The extraction process you've defined, I'm curious, James, was there a moment when you made the transition from oil and gas and all your, your background in that where where you had that idea of, of, we can take this knowledge, we can take this technology, apply it to this other thing, and I think I have the way to do it, as in your supercritical CO2? Yeah, so a lot of uh, my previous experience was in the design of, of equipment. Okay. And that equipment had to be mobile or uh, easy to use, it had to be safe, and it was operated with a lot of high-pressure equipment. So understanding basics of uh, pumping and thermodynamics and then learning about the CO2 process, which has been around for a long time. Right. Uh, we were able to do a couple things that are, uh, you know, novel in our approach. We got a patent for the method that we decompress the CO2 into our separators mm -hmm. and, you know, grew towards equipment that was good at extracting all sorts of botanicals. Yeah. And then really tried to hone in our knowledge around uh, the cannabis space so that we could market to it. And so needless to say, you are eager to see the cannabis laws continue this year as, as we come to the end of 2019, when all of this stuff becomes legal in the Canadian market. Yeah, it's exciting. The, uh, the prospect of, of edibles and concentrates in Canada is, I think, good for consumers in general mm -hmm. uh, because it provides an option that... Uh, I think new users gravitate towards and what we've seen in more developed markets like Colorado consumption can be upwards of 70% through extract. Uh, whereas flour is kind of a declining trend it and, is. um, you know, not having edibles available to the consumer will probably lead to at home production. Yeah. Uh, as it is, already is, which is not safe or not great and, and can lead to, uh, unintended consequences. Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes total sense. As you look at what's happening with your extraction pieces, where do you see the real benefit for the cannabis consumer out there right now? How is your equipment going to benefit them in the future compared to others? So comparatively to other solvents, uh, CO2 is natural, right? Our body produces it. It's safe. Uh, when equipment is designed properly, which what we do, we have an engineering team of almost 10 people. Of course. Um, you know, there's very little risk to the process and the products that come out are of an extremely high quality. Uh, we're, we're looking now at new markets uh, in Europe where the good manufacturing process or GMP 
is going to be a requirement for equipment. So we provide the documentation and the support and the education around those quality systems that ensure the consumer gets a high quality product at the end of the day. Absolutely. And when you're in a medicinal market, which is what most of Europe is right now, you have to kind of ask yourself, you know, do I want to consume a, a product that has residual limits of butane in it yeah. or, or propane or alcohol? and vaporize those products into my lungs or consume them as an edible into my, you know, body. Exactly. Yeah. I personally don't, yeah. <laughs> which is why, yeah. you know, if, if I was a consumer and I'm looking for products and I hope that, uh, I don't know the legislation very well for Canada, but I hope that it's a requirement that products are labeled uh, how they're produced yes. because it's important to me. Yeah, too. Um, Health Canada has set a limit of 5,000 ppm for residual hydrocarbons, uh, which, you know, I'm not super stoked about tasting a gummy that's uh, got a barbecue flavor to it. And I don't think many <laughs> so, people are. No. So, and, and so 5,000 ppm is the current target? Is that what they're currently looking at? Or is that what you're I think that's the to? allowable limit. I'm yeah. not 100% sure, but the last yeah, time I, I looked at the reg, it's, it's somewhere around that. So, you know, the opportunity for consumers to have high quality products is, is important. Um, we facilitate that we provide the documentation and the service and support to our customers so that they can create high quality products. And, and lots of it. That's the other thing that I was impressed when I, I looked at your site and some of the uh, products you are producing. I'm amazed at the quantity that, that these are capable of doing. What's, yeah, so what's the load that limit? That was one of the gaps that we identified early in the marketplace was that when we were looking for equipment or, or looking at competitors, a big system was around the 20 liter range yeah. uh, for CO2. And what that relates to is somewhere about, you know, 10 pounds or five kilograms of input per batch. Okay. And knowing that the market is growing, all of these businesses are going to be looking for larger equipment that is more reliable. Our current product range starts at 45 liters. So even when we came into the market, you know, a lot of, customers that were calling and inquiring about the equipment kind of laughed and went, wow, that's like, that's a big system. I, I can't, <laughs> I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. And now, you know, all of the competitors have scaled up to our scale. Um, so now we're kind of leapfrogging again. So from 45 liters all the way up to 3000 liters, our daily processing capacity of a Vitalis machine starts at a hundred kilograms and ends at somewhere around 5,000 kilograms per day. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and th those larger systems are targeted towards, um, you know, industrial hemp. So sure. as legislation changes in Canada, there's going to be great opportunities for farmers in uh, Saskatchewan or Manitoba who are growing industrial hemp who previously had to destroy their crop tops. Right, absolutely. Which contain this, the CBD so compound. Now get the CBD from it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure on, on how that plays into it, but there's an opportunity, you know, now for them to have another revenue source potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Along and with all the other benefits of hemp and the, and the fibers and exactly. you know, industrial products. Everything else associated to it. Uh, that is really cool. You guys are doing some, some amazing work. I'm very, very impressed. Let me bring it back to the cannabis experience. Do you, do you personally consume? Not regularly. No, no, but, but I've, but you have enough to know wh yeah. what the consumers are looking for. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, there's a October 17 kickoff and, um, it's, uh, 
it's interesting. I mean, I'm a beer guy. I like okay. my yeah, Everybody has theirs, yeah. And um, the the personal consumption side of it, the the access isn't there right now. You know, there's no places to go buy it in Kelowna. That's true. Um, you can order it online. I'm not super excited about, you know, smoking flour. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to try products when you're traveling to legal destinations yeah um, and i'm excited for when canada can you know catch up to some of the other places in the world that that have good consumer access yeah exactly and that's what we're all what we're all hoping for and and as many listeners of the podcast have loaned we've tried a lot of the product from the bc cannabis store and the quality varies yeah do you <laughs> have a favorite on, uh the favorite stuff i've had actually has been from Boken coast Oh, great. The stuff from Broken Coast has been really well done, and in my mind, the majority of the reason why they appear to take the time with the growing, and it's all hand-trimmed. Okay. And it just looks beautiful, tastes beautiful, and it's probably the only one that I have gotten that did not suffer from incredible dryness. I mean, right. I've gotten some product from there that you could just squeeze the bud, and it's dust on your table. Yeah, amazing. So where do you think uh, the future is for, for Vitalis and, and the cannabis industry as we move towards that? Obviously, you've already brought it up, but CBD is becoming huge. Yep. More and more people are starting to understand the relative importance of what CBD can do for so many people. Is that going to be a big part of, of what your future with Vitalis is? Absolutely. I mean, we want to support um, you know, the science. We want to support the companies that are, are doing good research. Um, and we want to facilitate the large scale extraction companies. Um, so, you know, our, our goal is to uh, really be stewards of the industry mm-hmm. and, and help through the education process and provide high quality equipment that can operate efficiently yeah. uh, and be the leaders of that space. Exactly. On a global scale. So that when, you know, if, if you're, um, going to expand your business, uh, which we see a lot of the big Canadian LPs doing and looking into other markets, you know, we're there to grow with you and support those organizations. Excellent. And so that's your market. It's the people that are looking to do the extractions. That's the world that Vitalis is, is playing in at this point. It is. And it's not only cannabis. Yeah. Uh, we, and, and that was uh, just to, to stop you there. As I was reading the website, one of the comments I made to my wife as I'm reviewing this, notice that the word cannabis is never used anywhere on the site. You're just talking about plant material. Yeah. So yeah. F- and, um, you know, we've, we've got a Q90 set up at our R&D bay here okay. in Kelowna. Uh, we've processed all sorts of botanicals on it, and it's fascinating what results you can get. I bet. Um, you know, hops is, is used in the brewing industry. Yeah. Um, and very commonly hops is extracted using CO2 and then added into the brew process to prevent a lot of the same problems that the cannabis industry will have with packaging. Like you mentioned, yes. when the flower is really dry or if it's packaged when it's too wet, it could become moldy or could have any sort of, uh, shelf life problems. Absolutely. Uh, so when hops is extracted, you can isolate those alpha acids that are really desirable and, and save them for a longer amount of time. Nice. Then you'd be able to degrade them in a, you know, f- freezer bag or, yep. or vacuum pack. Yeah. Uh, we've extracted uh, sea buckthorn, which is a berry, you know, grown in Saskatchewan and okay. uh, has all sorts of uh, nutraceutical effects. Yeah. Um, lavender, thyme, mint, oregano, um, you know, anything that you can think of as as a valuable botanical product um, has 
can be extracted and processed. And a lot of what you mentioned is sharing a lot of the same terpenes as cannabis. Little wool from lavender, for example. Exactly. Myrcene from the hops. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, we were also now, you know, uh, playing with other types of applications where, uh, for example, soy, soy okay. extract. Yeah. Uh, removing the fat only so that there's a, a powder left over. Nice. You know, th- these are all things when I alluded to before, the business is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, there's this whole other realm of products that uh, are really exciting that is taking, um, you know, it's it's providing us with a runway of, of research mm-hmm. for what else can we do with this equipment. Very, very cool. And it, and it sounds like it's a very long runway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't seen the end of it yet. No. Yeah. Excellent. Well, fabulous, James. I'm so glad that you took a few minutes to, to have a chat with me. Any final words on, on what people can look forward to seeing from this company in the future? Uh, we participate at a lot of the trade shows in Canada. So if you ever have questions, feel free to, uh, to come see us and, and ask. Like I said, we're based in Kelowna. Uh, if you're uh, a cannabis operation, always welcome to come tour the facility and, and learn what our team has to offer. Nice. Uh, we have a great team. Uh, everybody's uh, friendly and knowledgeable. Yeah. And if you're not in the cannabis industry and you're interested in, in extraction or, or potentially what could be done, come talk to us. Uh, we'd be happy to, to learn about, you know, where we can add value. And it looks like you can add value to a lot of different industries. Yeah. Yeah. Very Absolutely. cool, James. Well, I'm, I'm so pleased that you've shared some of your technology with me and some of your thoughts and ideas. And thank you for appearing on the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks very much for coming out, Kerry. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to the corner, go to the corner, oh yeah. Go to the corner, please explain this stuff to me. As any frequent listener of this podcast knows, I love playing that piece of music, and I'm very pleased to tell you that this time I played it for the proper reason. I actually do have a cultivar on Cultivar Corner. I went back to BC Cannabis stores this last week, and I ordered what they had as one of their specials. They called it a BC-only strain. It was Houseplant Sativa, a high THC strain also known as Chemdog on the street. It's a combination of OG Kush and Sour Diesel lineage. I got it in the mail, and... I also want to point out that after last week's episode, I had a few people contact me to give me their thoughts about the show, and I always appreciate hearing from people. And I do want to give a couple of shout-outs. First to Natasha, who's working at a cannabis dispensary in Saskatoon. Hey, Natasha, thanks for letting me know that you enjoy the information we're giving you here each week. And a special shout-out to RT. And RT goes by, let's see, what was it again? It was a very cool name, Organic Leafy Greens. And what I want to thank uh, Organic Leafy Greens for was pointing out to me a fact that I had kind of forgotten about. Back when we started doing the Strain Explains, and then those transitioned into Cultivar Corner, I at one point made the decision to start smoking joints to give you a sense of whether or not it had been flushed correctly. So were we getting a lot of black ash? That was the main reason for moving to the joints. I'd never intended to make it exclusively joints, but... As Earthy Leafy Greens pointed out to me, that's what I had done. I haven't done anything with the Mighty for a number of different episodes. So I thought it was time to rectify that. With this week's Cultivar Corner dealing with houseplant sativa from BC Cannabis Stores, let me give you the lowdown on what this is, and I'm going to be featuring some explanation from the joint perspective, 
and back to the explanation from the Mighty perspective. So the Mighty is all powered up and ready to go. Let me give you the details. This is a product produced in Ontario. The brand is Houseplant. Interestingly, because it was pitched as a product only available in BC, but <laughs> that's obviously another discussion. The street name is Chem Dog. It is a sativa dominant. The THC range is estimated at 19 to 21%. And on this particular batch, the total THC is 20.3%. THC, or rather CBD, again, less than 0.05% of that. Method of consumption, guess what? It's going to be inhalation, either by vaporizer or by joint. It was grown in a hybrid greenhouse, and it was hand-harvested. Now here's where the disappointment comes back in. <laughs> You've heard me mention before on the strains that I had picked up from BC Cannabis stores that there seems to be a bit of a problem with the dryness of the product. And I am afraid I'm the bearer of bad news once more. <laughs> Soon as I pop this container, oh, the smell. <laughs> like, okay, first of all, this, this, the, the terpenes that are in Houseplant Sativa are caryophylline and myrcene, the two most dominant terpenes, and they, according to the write-up, give houseplant sativa its robust, earthy, spicy aroma. And if only it had been spicy <laughs> and earthy. This is, I'm sorry, but this is just musty. This just smells like old dirt. I'm really not getting a lot of real satisfying spicy aromas out of that. And once more, I also have to tell you, I've taken a bud out of the jar. I popped a little bit off that bud. I'm now holding it over my table, squeezing it with my fingers, and it virtually turns to dust in my fingers. When was this packaged, you may say, based on what I've just told you about it? Actually, this was packaged on March 11th of 2019. So this isn't even two months old yet. Smells very musty. Crumbles like it's musty and dry. I guess it's time that we gave this a sample and see what it does to the head perspective and how it tastes. And that's another reason I wanted to reintroduce the Mighty, was to get back to how cannabis tastes. And it is now just firing up, almost to temperature. And once it hits that magical moment, we'll give this a puff on the vaporizer. There you go. There's the double beep. And this is Houseplant. The taste in the vaporizer is not any more spicy than the aroma, but sniffing it in the container is. It quite honestly just tastes like dirt. <laughs> Let me fire up the joint for the secondary test. The lighter is engaged, burning the end of the joint, and now we begin to haul on it. Tastes very musty in a joint as well, so the taste is not improving, but taking a look at the ash coming off the end, thankfully I'm not seeing a lot of dark ash, so it looks like the flushing occurred properly for houseplant. Now this was a strain that there was some noise about Seth Rogen being associated with this plant, or with this particular strain, and by the way, I haven't told you, houseplant is by Canopy Growth Corporation, probably not a surprise. And I also have to say the packaging, 
you've heard me talk about packaging before. And the packaging in this case was really excessive because not only was it packed in a container that I'll, I'll give them the fact that the container is just marginally larger than it needed to be, but it was the marketing packaging that came along it. So there was two additional boxes, two paper cardboard boxes that this was wrapped in. One just so it sat in the middle of the package and the other was like three times as tall as the actual package. There's a lot of improvement we can make in the packaging of cannabis in this country. Now, after having had a couple of hits on the vaporizer, a couple of hits on the joint, and I'm waiting to see exactly what the experience of Houseplant Sativa is, I've kind of delayed getting high today, leaving this afternoon as one that I was going to put the podcast together. And the first thing I wanted to do was to get high, and, and that always gives me the impetus to do the best I can for the show. So I'm really hoping for good things out of this. And I realize now I've been talking for about seven minutes, smoking for probably four of those minutes, inhaling as I usually do, and it must be a real slow climb. I'll, I'll let you know later on in the episode if I have started to feel much. Right now, I'm I'm not feeling a ton. Let me get the miter back in, into business, resurrect that, get that back up to temperature, and let me take a couple hits off that. I'm not sure I'm going to be giving this a really high score, especially when you consider the fact that once again, I decided to just get something based on the image it was presenting, not worrying too much about the price I should have, because <laughs> I got three and a half grams for $39.99. And then, of course, because I got it from BC Cannabis Stores Online, I had to pay for shipping and stuff on, on top of that. And I'm not sure at this point, either by taste, by smell, or effect, that I have truly got my money's worth from Houseplant Sativa by Canopy Growth Corporation. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. I had a customer this last week share some news that I thought was fabulous based on the news that we often hear about cannabis in the residential world those who are renting, those who are in stratas, condos, all of those types of things, where we're hearing more and more of them that are restricting the use of cannabis in any of those facilities, which I find just weird since it's now legal. Now it's harder to access and harder to smoke, apparently. But this customer, I thought, had a, a fantastic solution that had been presented by his landlord, and I thought, if only everybody else would kind of get on board with that. When we try to hand a receipt to many of the people who come in to purchase cannabis, it's like we're handing them a piece of plutonium and <laughs> they don't want to touch it for some reason. I don't quite get it. But this particular customer, he always asks for a receipt. And he mentioned the other day why that is. And it's because his landlord allows him to smoke cannabis in his apartment as long as he shows her a receipt to show that he paid for it legally. Simple. What a brilliant solution. Landlords, are you listening? That is a fabulous opportunity to jump on board and not discriminate, drop the stigma stuff. I, I just thought it was a fabulous solution. So I wanted to share that with you. And one other thing that I wanted to share was uh, some amusing amusements, perhaps is the better way to describe it. 
in relation to technology and, shall we say, the older cannabis consumer. And by older cannabis consumer, I am including myself in, in that regard. I'm, I'm not a young man, in case that hasn't been obvious up to this point. But even for those perhaps a bit older than me, we have a vape pen that has a battery. And in this case, this particular model requires a few presses to enable that battery so you can actually utilize the vape. <laughs> I have now, I think, talked to about five different customers who just simply did not get it. They figured that this battery was totally broken. There was nothing they could do about it. It didn't work. They brought it back to either get it replaced or, or find something else. <laughs> and in every single case, I simply took the battery out of the packaging, picked it up, and here's where most will understand. The instructions for this device are on the back of the packaging, and they're, they're pretty clear, although not very explicit. There's only three instructions. One, click five times to turn it on and off. Two, click three times to change the heat setting. And three, click twice to preheat. Seems simple, right? Well, not so simple. If you don't understand the concept of clicking within a fairly short period of time. In each instance, every single person that I dealt with in this regard, let's say was turning it on with one, two, three, you get the idea. Whereas the proper way to turn that on is one, two, three, four, five. The proper way to preheat it, one, two, not one, two. <laughs> and although it did take me a number of iterations to go through the steps, hand it back to each of those individuals and ask them to walk through the steps themselves to make sure that they clearly got it. And they, they all did. They all finally got it at the end and they were very thankful for the advice and, and, and the tutelage. <laughs> but I just can't help chuckling over the fact that the, the, the five clicks was just a concept that was foreign to them. And I guess the other thing I tried to, another trick I used in trying to explain it to them was the concept of a double click on the mouse. You know, it's very quick. It, it's, it, it's followed quickly. It's not one and then two. <laughs> so there you go. There's some experience with some of the modern technology or some of the technology that's out there for imbibing in cannabis. And that is just about it for episode 21. As I look towards the future, we'll look at some more cultivar corners to see what we can explore. There's still lots of wacky, weird subjects out there and a whole bunch that I was planning on talking about this week but somehow those fell by the wayside. And again, I want to thank those who contacted me after the last episode, and I have to remember every single time to tell you if you do have any comments or want to give us some suggestions for the podcast in the future, you can reach us at info at CannabisPodcast.com. And that wraps it up for episode 21 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley... This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who abused cannabis to deal with serious ailments many of them life-threatening. 
My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host Corey Elland is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.